Hello, people from the world and beyond. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Mickey. And this is Tea Tea Time Time with with Steph. Viewer discretion is advised. The following episode contains graphic details about the sexual abuse and assault of a minor. Alan V. Farrell, Dissecting the HBO Series. Woody Allen's first film was What's New Pussycat, a 1965 film in which both he directed and starred in. Some of his most famous films include famous, not famous, famous films include Husbands and Wives, 1992, Midnight in Paris, 2011, Radio Days, 1987, Annie Hall, 1977, Another Woman, 1988, Deconstructing Harry, 1997, Crimes and Misdemeanors, 1989, Stardust Memories, 1980, Hannah and Her Sisters, 1986, and most famously, Manhattan, 1979. Mia Farrow is an American actress, activist, and former fashion model. Farrow has appeared in more than 50 films and won numerous awards, including a Golden Globe, three BAFTA Award nominations, and her most famous films include Great Gatsby in 1974, The Original, Rosemary's <laughs> Baby in 1968, Alice in 1990, September 1987, Widow's Peak 1994, The Last Unicorn 1982, a uh, great movie. We actually just watched it like we two weeks ago. It's one of my favorite movies. And Mickey was like, we have to watch. And I was like, of course. And it was beautiful. I loved it. And then The Omen in 2006. Quite a different movie from The Last Unicorn, but also the original. Yes. Alan V. Farrow is a 2021 documentary series that HBO aired, and it depicts the abuse and molestation of Dylan Farrow a.k.a. Mir Farrow's adopted daughter, and the events that led up to that moment. Mia Farrow was married before meeting Woody Allen. At the time of her career, she was the it girl in all the movies and started a romance with Frank Sinatra. They would get married in 1966, but divorced two years later in 1968. She then met Andre Prebem, who she was married to from 1970 to 1979, they had two twin boys, Matthew and Sasha Previn. They later adopted Lark's son Previn. They had another boy named Fletcher Previn. Later, Daisy and Sunim Previn were also adopted. So as of now, all these children are, who are adopted and biological belong to Mia Farrow and Andre Previn. In, 19, in 1979, they divorced and later Mia adopts Moses Farrow. After that, she adopted Dylan Farrow on her own, and later Woody would become her co-adopter. When she met Woody, he made it clear that he had no interest in the children or being part of their lives. And Mia and him were together for 12 years, but they never married, and they had separate homes. She had gotten out of a divorce, and they didn't think that anyone would want her because of all the children that they ha- that she had. They started dating, and he started getting closer to the kids, especially Dylan. At first, no one really paid any attention. They thought that it was just because he had never been around children, but his behavior quickly took a turn. And, you know, um, 
one of the things that the one of the things that the documentary first mentions is that he becomes like he starts like kind of like stalking her. Yeah, like any anytime she'd go anywhere, he would just slowly pop up, or she'd be playing with the other kids, and he'd just come out of nowhere, which normally wouldn't be weird, but he'd take her off and go play with her like separate from everyone, like and kind of like trying to creepy. isolate her. Yeah, and just make her his, and it was really weird. Yeah, and you know he, um, but said that he started to go into therapy because of the fa- the behavior towards Dylan. And you know one of the another one of the incidents that they talk about in the documentary is that Dylan and him, there's like a moment where they're in the beach and like Mia Farrow, her sister, are in the beach and. He's, uh, they ask him to put, uh, um, sunscreen. sun lotion or on sunscreen. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Like on her body. And she wasn't, I believe she was like not wearing any pants or she had, but moral of the story was he went lower than he should and was putting it up in her butt. Yeah. Where sunscreen, the sunscreen had no purpose. Like being. He was just touching very lowly on a child where he shouldn't be. You know, and he starts saying that. Uh, not saying, but like Mia speaks out about this certain situation, and she says that uh, she quickly snatched the lotion from him, and she just kind of looked at him like, "What are you She's doing?" Like, like that. That's beyond weird. That's beyond yeah. not okay. Yeah, that's not just like you're rubbing uh lotion on her and putting sunscreen like that's, on her. That's, that's somewhere it does not need to be. Exactly, and you know, Dylan. I think in a documentary or one of them. Uh, not Dylan, I'm sorry. Uh, one of the friends of the family, or if not the aunt, she uh, she says that she sees him putting, like, lotion in and, between. Yeah, like, up in between her butt. And, and like, going under her low. swimsuit, or, or if not, she was naked, whatever it was. Like, she put... He, he went where he shouldn't have. He went very inappropriately on a child, is where. Exactly. And, you know... um. And then the movies, like, that a lot of people that who were interviewed about the movies and or who participated in his movies, they said that his behavior reflected um, what was always there. His movies reflected that. And especially in Manhattan, who was based on, on especially a girl who was 16 years, 16, 17 years, 17 years old. Yeah, still still in high school exactly and so this that's what this movie is based on and apparently this further into the story is based on this 16 year old girl who he dated who that movie was actually based like on. it that's was what an actual relationship that happened already like. and he was grooming us that's what one of the people in the documentary says that he was grooming us as an audience to his behavior to say that this was okay His fascination with underage girls was just incredibly creepy. And you see it throughout his work. There's Princeton has a bunch of his screen notes, scripts, and films of throughout his entire career. And they have just this some of the notes that he has and changes he made to movies are just really inappropriate. A flashy, sexy 16-year-old blonde in a flaming red low-cut evening gown with a long slit up the side. He's a wealthy, educated, respected man living with a 21-year-old. 
He's a wealthy, educated, and respected man living with two 18-year-olds. Now, around this time, he started dating Soon Yi, or secretly seeing her. Both Alan's doorman and building manager testified in court to having seen Soon Yi visit Alan many times during her senior year of high school and first year of college. She wore a school uniform. She was coming in there with her school uniform on still. Exactly. And if you don't know or if you don't remember from earlier, Soon Yi is Mia Farrow's one of Mia Farrow's oldest adopted daughter. She came from the marriage of Andre Previn and it's kind of crazy, you know. They start talking about how uh, some of the people that testified were Alan's housekeeper and she found that she believed there to be semen stains on the sheets, condom wraps in the wastebasket after Sunni's visits while Sunni was still in high school. Seven months after Sunni graduated high school, Mia discovered explicit photos in Alan's apartment of her. Later, the incident in the attic occurred. Casey Pascal, a friend of the family, brought her over her kids. It was a normal day, except Woody was coming over to visit. They left Ronan and Dylan with the babysitter and the French teacher who had been teaching them for a while. Mia left to go get groceries and had told them that he was too much for her and that not to leave them together. We're speaking about Dylan. She specifically said, don't leave them together. You know, he's too much for her. He just, it's a bad situation. The older kids would avoid being there. Moses would go for a walk. One of the sitters that was there that day remembers that, um, specifically Mia's sitter, remembers calling out Dylan. You know, she called out for her a while. She went to look in every single room and she couldn't find anyone. She looked in every single room. The laundry, the TV, the guest room, the kitchen, outside. She says that Dylan was gone for 20 minutes. And, you know, it makes you wonder, where was she for those 20 minutes? When Mia came back, Dylan ran up to her and hugged her leg. Dylan had a sundress on, but Mia noticed she wasn't wearing any underwear. She said she put everyone to bed that night. They had breakfast in the morning, and her friend Casey called and said that her babysitter had seen something yesterday that had upset her. She said she saw Dylan sitting on the couch and Woody on his knees in between her legs. It looked like an adult situation, and Dylan was staring off into space. Mia said she asked Dylan if Daddy had his face in her lap, and... She asked Dylan what happened, and she got the idea to start taping her. And, you know, as a mother, that's the only thing you can do. Like, you can uh, try to get to see what she tries to say, especially because she's a child. And, you know, um, try to see what, 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 what this is about. Right, how much you can get her to tell you without it being traumatizing and being the first time, you know. If she's telling you what's going on or you know daddy did this or that to me it's a good thing to have recorded so you can have a little bit of proof exactly and also like just you know her being an actress it's her first instinct like i'm gonna record this and have some proof like right you and you see throughout the documentary she's recording but they have a bunch of home movies like uh, she recorded everything yeah she recorded everything and that's just, like I said, an incident of an actor. She wanted just to document everything. And this is one of the things that she wanted to document. And, you know, for the next two days, 
Mia videotaped Dylan whenever she spoke out about being abused. She said that he kept breathing on her and she didn't like it and that she's and that he took her into the attic. Dylan recalls the incident and she said that he touched her butt, asked her to come up into the attic with him. She was on her stomach and couldn't see what was going on but felt trapped. She said that he told her to start playing with her train set. And he was saying things like, what about some father and daughter time? Oh, we're going to go to Paris together. We're going to be in all of the movies. And then he proceeded to sexually assault her. She says that she remembers looking on and off into space and just focusing on things around her, especially her brother's train set. You know, he stopped and he was done and he just stopped whenever he, when he, whenever he felt like it. And then he just took her downstairs like it was nothing. When And then when they were in the attic, she recalls him saying, don't move. I have to do this. I have to do this. Why do you have to do this? What is the intention? What is the purpose? Okay, like you, you don't have to do this. You're disturbed and you're taking advantage and molesting a child. You're choosing to do this. You're choosing to molest this child who is supposed to be your daughter, who you claim to be your daughter. Right. You adopted her. You wanted to be taking care of her you, to do that. And we don't need you adopting no child if you're going to be molesting her. Exactly. We don't need anybody adopting any child if your intention is to just be there for the check or be there to molest them or be there to hurt them or be there to get any anger off of them. On any any anger any anger, uh, off of you, uh, right, whatever taking you it out taking on them, it out, like... yeah. You know we don't need that. Why would we want you to adopt a child if that's what you're gonna do? Please stay to yourself. Like you said, you had no intention on these children, right. so why go ahead and adopt her? You don't want anything to do with any of them, right? Unless you're interested in touching them, apparently, or dating them and then marrying them. Which is fucking weird because Sunni and him are still together till this day. They are still married. Ugh. It's disgusting. I'm sorry. That's disgusting to me. After Dylan Farrell opened up about her abuse, Mia Farrell wanted to make sure that her child was okay. So she took her to the doctors and she, you know, wanted to make sure that there was no immediate physical harm. Obviously, Dylan was emotionally scarred forever but she wanted to know if there was anything that needed immediate attention later the doctor called her and told her that they had to report their findings to the authorities and an investigation was open in both the, the connecticut home and the where the incident occurred and their home in new york the state attorney at the time wanted dylan to be evaluated and see if she was fit to testify and specifically to perceive recall and relate the situation Dylan was interviewed nine times by the by the by the Yale New Haven Hospital, specifically by the child sexual abuse clinic. She was interviewed nine times, which as a child is kind of ridiculous. You know, why would why would you need to relive your trauma nine times? Like that's just insane. Like three times, couple times to make sure she's recalling everything correctly, but nine times that child is traumatized enough already. She don't need to be traumatized more. And once the report came out, they stated Dylan couldn't tell the difference between reality and fantasy, demonstrating loose associations in her thinking. 
They said she had been coached by her mother to say all of this, and the report itself was altered. Woody had the resources and the means to hire people to investigate Mia, trying to find things to paint her out to be a bad mother. This report was presented to Alan, the suspect, and painted him as not guilty even though they have no power to determine if a criminal act has been committed. You know, and that's kind of crazy. Like, you're a hospital. What business do you have to say whether this person is guilty or not? Right, and to report it to the, the suspect yeah. before the the actual man who ordered this report ordered you guys to do this study to find out if she was fit to fit do trial you you gave it to him why are you giving it to him because he paid them off because he gave them a nice fat check and said here you go i need this to be hushed up real quick i'll find your clinic but you know you know mia mia Farrow's attorney started to like kind of look into this you know and so did mia Mia contacted her attorney and, you know, said that the attorney contacted a specialist, a forensic psychiatrist, after the Yale report came out. Because Mia, like all of us, did not buy that bullshit. We did not buy that shit that she wasn't abused. Dylan was abused and he covered it up. And she was determined to find out, so she hired this dude. Right, to see what what's really going on. What can you find that isn't being said? You know, um, they were concerned that there was foul play and that um, stuff had been fabricated and made up against Dylan. And they wanted to come down to the truth. And after that specialist that they hired read the report, he testified, and even in the documentary or whatever, he said that after he read the report, he was horrified about his findings. He was disturbed, like how this case of misjustice was carried out. At this time, Paul William takes the case. He was a caseworker that had just been given the 1991 award for serving 800 cases. He was a renowned investigator and respected within his community. When Paul interviews Dylan, he found her to be credible. At her age, she shouldn't know the things that she's describing. He reported that there was enough information to open an investigation on Woody Allen in New York. However, when he reported his findings, he was told that in high-profile cases, it was customary that the big wigs take over and we caseworkers, a.k.a. him, just do nothing and just pull back from the case. Paul, however, wouldn't let it go, and when he wouldn't shut up about it, they fired him. And, you know, that may, that leads you to believe why did they fire him. Right, like, who who's behind him being fired? Because he didn't do his job wrong, he didn't, you know, do anything illegal. He was saying things that upset certain people. Exactly, and, you know, certain people were looking out for certain things to not be said. And when Paul Williams... He when he wouldn't shut up and we when he wouldn't stop asking the right questions, yeah. you know, it kind of led everybody to question Woody Allen himself. Right. Paul said he wanted he just wanted to protect the child. The city of New York, however, had different plans, and they fired him because he, he wouldn't shut up. He then sued the city and got his job back, but the mayor's office suppressed his evidence and findings. This was a massive cover up, and Paul was caught in the middle of it. They don't. They wouldn't let him report his findings. Like he's a caseworker. His job is to 
get the information, report what he finds, and they just, nope, nipped it at the bud and wouldn't let him go anywhere with it. Exactly, because again, it was a cover-up. They didn't want him to know, and they didn't want him to dig deeper into the situation because they knew that they were going to find a, a lot of disturbing things. No, they, they knew what he was saying was true. You know, there was no evidence that anything other than what she said is being true. She's not being forced into it. She's not being coached. She she knows what happened to her. Exactly. And she's an abuse, a sexual abuse victim that re- that is recalling what happened to her. And the fact that they are denying her that right to trial, that right to put her case forward is kind of sad. The right to, you know, get her justice. Yeah. And you know, Woody, which is kind of pathetic to me, Woody later sued for custody because she was, because he claimed that Mia was an unfit mother, you know, for Dylan, Moses, and Satchel, a.k.a. Ronan. So he sued, actually sued Mia for custody. Like, the audacity of this man. You've been abusing this child. Who knows how many of the other childs? I mean, they haven't come forward, except Dylan mm-hmm. and Sunyi, who's married to him. But God knows what else, he, you know, what else he really did. And an unfit mother. Mia had all those children long before him and long after her husband you know the first marriage ended she's been taking care of those kids exactly kids are everywhere with her all the time exactly and you know according to experts this is a move that abusers do to diminish sexual abuse allegations you know this is a tactic this is him being like um i'm gonna report this i'm gonna let this be known so that it doesn't come back on me. Right. The entire documentary, you see the only reason he, you know, gets away with what he's do, he's in front of everything. He's the first to say anything about anything. He makes sure his story gets out before anyone else's. Exactly. He makes it known that before anybody else, even before the victim or the mother's victim, he makes it known that he's not the one to blame. And, you know, in today's world and even in, in earlier times, um, it's whoever comes before the story, whoever comes first. Right. It's a lot easier to paint your picture before somebody else talks than try to fix what you're saying or fix what they've said about you already. And he was smart about it. He knew what to do to not get in trouble. From a historical point of view, there has been bias against women for reporting sexual abuse. Studies found that only 2 to 9% of sexual abuse reports made by children or adolescents to child welfare agencies were considered to be intentionally false. You know, that just, they're trying to paint the picture that she's forcing her to say this just because she's mad at Woody Allen, this or that. It's, no, it's what's happening and it's historically proven that they want to not believe for whatever reason they have to keep just pretend, oh no, she's making it up because she's getting revenge or because she's upset about this no yeah yeah you know and they like you said like those things that they reported in a documentary like a lot of the children are not lying you know they like him he's trying to paint as if though she is lying which she's not she's reporting something she keeps telling the same story over and over again because that's what happened to her you know she she was abused abused over and over and over again for all we know it was way before the addict right who you know she was a child when she remembers those who knows what else and the whole documentary they talked about his previous you know inappropriate behavior but up until that moment that was told about they never knew some specific 
details of abuse, just that he was weirdly attract, uh, you know, attached to her, weirdly positioning himself with her, but nothing this level yet. Yeah, but when they do get these findings, when she does report the abuse, they act as if though she's making it up. You know, and at this time, they went to trial during which Woody was the first to take the stand, followed by the people that were there looking over her, um, looking over Dillian the day of the incident. Um, You know, his claims were contradicted because of the other witnesses' testimonies. They all, all his other, all his claims and everything that he claims that happened that day didn't because everybody else around who was supposed to be taking care and was actually looking out for Dylan claimed that they couldn't find her. Right, all of them. There was, I believe, what, two, three women? None yeah. None of them knew where that she was. You can't expect the ch- the other children to know, especially considering most of the time they'd all leave whenever Woody came around because he's a creep. Because he's a creep and they wanted to get away from him. Even the children who were adopted by him and were actually, like, con- technically, con- like, they were right. technically con- his father. Yeah, like, he had, you know, parental rights or visitation rights and with Ronan Moses and Dylan and even they didn't want to be around and even then like you know like we said earlier Moses would walk away whenever he was around because it was weird nobody wants to be around nobody Mia testified that she taped Dylan whenever she opened up the video was brought as evidence and a team of individual experts were hired by the documentary series to evaluate these videos they wanted their own outside opinion And experts determined that Dylan was able to recall this event because she knew how to describe it like it was actually happening. She was reenacting it in ways. Mia was careful when, you know, her wording, asking who, what, when, how, where. She wasn't asking leading questions or coaching or, you know, doing anything in a suggestive tone. Like, was it your dad did this, right? This is Woody, right? No, she said, who was it? What happened? Where? What? And then when she says Woody, she said, "Woody did that. Woody that." After the daughter has already explained what she experienced, she's exactly. not leading her to say it. She's not, and that's what one one of the main things that experts and everybody points out that she mentions that is Woody even before Mia says anything. Therefore, she is not suggesting it. She is not uh, teaching or coaching as Woody told everybody in the media to tell Dylan, to tell Dylan to say these things about him. She's not being coached by Mia. Right. You know how hard it is to get your child to use the bathroom? You're going to get her to recall this same story over and over. You know, at some point, even if you coach a child well, some point something breaks, they say the wrong thing. This girl was not coached. She knew what happened to her. It was not a suggestion by her mother. Mia Dillon and her family waited a month for trial results to come in, and on June 7, 1993, exactly 28 years from today's date, Judge Wilk issued that Allen didn't demonstrate parenting skills that showed he would be able to take care of Dillon, Satchels, and Moses. He ruled that Allen could not see Dillon for the next six months and whether he could be a fit parent to the girl at all. Allen would be able to have supervised visits with Satchel. However, Moses was left to see if he wanted to see his father or not. And same with Dylan. Dylan was asked if she even wanted to see him ever again. And she said, no, hell no, absolutely not. 
After the, the, the judge's decision, Allen had a press conference immediately after and thanked the New York Knicks for all the nice things they said and all the people in the streets. Like, after you, you're, the judge ruled that you could not see your children, you decided to have a press conference to thank a baseball team? Basketball team. Basketball like for, team, sorry. I don't know sports. Because, what, what, everyone stuck by him during his molestation charges, and all he really cared about was not getting that, not getting charged with that. If his way of doing that was getting, losing the children or losing the custody of the children, he don't care. He didn't even really like them. It was probably because they were for him. It was probably because, like, they liked him for some reason. You know what I mean? I Like I said, I thought it was a baseball team. I don't know sports. Maybe it was like, no, it's base- basketball. But, like, I'm saying, like, maybe they supported him. Maybe they had some sort of, like, allyship yeah. that they had going on. Like him and everyone up in New York City, all the officials, all the important rich people, they were all up his butt and protecting him. Exactly. And they let him get away with this child's abuse. Allen appealed Judge Wilkes' decision to two higher courts. The first one, the appellate court, upheld Wilkes' decision. The second one, New York's highest court, the Court of Appeals, declined to hear the case. Allen was ordered to pay more than a million dollars in Mia's legal fees, the least he could the least he could do. Although the custody case has been settled, the criminal investigation in Connecticut is still ongoing. You know, they, they're they not done. They didn't say, oh, you're buying us off? Cool. Granted, it's been decades now, so I'm not sure what's taking them so long on the rest of that decision, but hopefully somebody charged him with something soon. Exactly. You know, it's it's crazy to think that he's getting away with this, like, in, like, a lot of different places, you know? And he's been walking around 28 years, basically. He got out scot-free. Nothing happened. He doesn't make as many movies as he was before, but he's still making movies. He's still with Soon Yi. Yeah. He was not affected. He don't care about those children anyway. Yeah. You you took away the children he really didn't want. He just wanted to molest the one. That's what he cared about. That's awful to think about, though. But like Mickey said, even though he doesn't make, like, a lot of movies now... Like, I think his most recent films were, like, in like, the 2010s, 2012s. I think like, there was one more recently. Really? I think there was one a little bit more recently, and then, like, there was like, a little bit of a gap. Now, less and less people want to work with him, but there's still some people in there, and I can't... We can... We'll check later and see what his most recent movie is, but too recent. He shouldn't have had anything in the past 30 years. The last part of the documentary deals with the case open in Connecticut, and the family's life after the incident. It begins with case files, forensics, and testimonies of the girls slash babysitters that were there that day, and Woody Allen's police interview in which they found inconsistent information with his claims, having never been there in the attic. Dylan was interviewed by three child-trained abuse experts and by different government agencies, in which they found Dylan honest, consistent, and believed she was telling the truth. The results said that that there was probable cause for Woody Allen's arrest on the charges of first and fourth degree sexual assault of a minor. Woody denies ever having been sexually inappropriate or abusive with Dylan and was never uh, criminally charged, which is important to think about because, you know, it's somebody of a high stature, somebody of high power who was not charged for this child's abuse and just was able to get away with it just because of who he was right just because how much money he was pouring into the city or how much he could give to anybody 
you know, it's kind of crazy to think about that because he was able to legit, like, touch this child and get away with it just because people of high stature, famous actors, whoever it was, were willing to still be able to work with him and he had the means and resources to be able to get away with it. To just cover it all up. You know, and thankfully, Mia was able to move on a little bit more with her life. She was able to adopt more children, and as they grew up, they were able to find out what really happened to Dylan, you know, throughout the internet and media. Dylan claimed she never spoke to any of her siblings about it, and none of them ever really asked. High school, she felt like she was the only one this had happened to, and she felt really isolated. She was hiding herself, and she didn't talk to her mother or her therapist about it. She had one boyfriend in school, and she ultimately ended up breaking up with him. She heard from other girls, you know, she heard them talking about their relationships and felt like he would eventually want that someday, you know, the more intimate, more sexual things that happen in relationships, and she didn't feel like she was ready for it. Just like, you know, many people who have been sexually abused wouldn't be ready, you know, either for years, you know, years of therapy or just at all. Some people, it's, you know, it's hard. It is very hard for them to just be emotionally and physically available for somebody else. And for her, I don't know, you know, she says she's uh, married or has a boyfriend right now or, you know, she's in a relationship and good for her, you know. She feels safe and protected in that relationship and I'm happy for her to do that. Now, one of her brothers spoke out, um, specifically Ronan, and said that his college education was only funded by his father, a.k.a. Woody, if he would publicly go against Mia and Dylan. He stated that his mom would always protect him and every one of his siblings, and he, she would do what was best for the family. Nobody would hire Mia, and she had to take jobs in other countries. He said no one would, no one, literally legit would hire her because of everything that happened of, because of Woody. A lot of doors closed because of that. You know, the just the close connection that she had with him, like, you know, he was probably like, don't hire that bitch. Right. He made sure she wasn't hired, you know, at least in America. He can control the, you know, he can control New York, the government here, or, you know, where he's bringing all that money. But she at least got work eventually in foreign countries, though, because they didn't really have a grasp. The, or Woody Allen didn't have a grasp on them the way he does here. Woody Allen was a homegrown hero to New York, and that's why he got away with his crimes. He brought in money, revenue, and fame to the city. Mia Farrow worked her ass off for her child's abuser and made movies for him for years, shit for decades. They were tangled together in each other's lives and careers. Not many people chose to believe her, but we, we believed Dylan Farrow. Like we last said, it's hard to, for someone to believe that an individual that they love or admire could be a sex offender or an abuser. Woody has not been charged and continues to deny charges and allegations against him, even though most abusers would say that to cover up the tracks. Dylan was a victim. She was a victim that was cheated out by a system that was not intended to protect her from the beginning. From the beginning, she was a victim of both the system and Woody Allen. And that's all for tonight's episode. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Mickey. And this is Tea Time, Time with Steph. Steph. Thank you, Yvonne, for recommending us this episode. It was really interesting. And as Mickey described it, disturbing. 
but really good. Yeah, really good, but very informative. Yes, and we loved it. Thank you so much. Have a good night, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.